to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. So, we're here. We're here. To talk about the fourth episode. What? Is that how we're going to do this? Yeah, you're going to finish all my sentences from now on. No, (laughs) so, yeah, so we're here to talk about the fourth episode of Twin Peaks. Which is Uh, titled Rest in Pain. Rest in Pain, not peace. Reference to poor Laura. Poor Laura. Whose funeral uh, takes place in this episode. Yes, it's the central uh, event in the episode, Mm -hmm. and it's also uh, kind of a a waypoint for all the emotional stuff that's going on. Yeah, it's the driving force behind everything emotional, more or less, that happens in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was uh, aired on April 26, 1990. It was directed by Tina Rathborn and written by Harley Payton, which is notable because it's the first time that neither David Lynch nor Mark Frost were involved in the directing or writing of an episode. Yeah. They, they were so involved in the show. Yeah. They were, they were kind of the showrunners. That's how it's well, kind yeah, of been they... described to me, but... Uh, they were they, they the were, showrunners, absolutely. Yeah, 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 for the first season at least. So they kind of stepped at, back after. Well, this... no, they were credited. They were credited. Throughout oh yeah, for the sure, series. credited by for sure. Yeah. But they weren't actively yeah. like a showrunner. You think is there every day on set, kind of really? running the business. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, okay, we haven't actually watched that documentary on Netflix about showrunners, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's kind of the implication is that you're running the show. Yeah. You're doing the most right. of the writing. You're doing a lot. Well, of and the... I imagine that that they had for this first the first season, and I don't know this for sure. But I'm, I imagine that they had most of the plot points plotted out between them. Yeah. So they sat down with their writers, you know, and Harley Payton wrote more than one episode for them yeah. uh, for this series uh, to, to flesh out these storylines. So I'm sure that these all came about. That's why they, you know, they were still involved, but they weren't credited as being involved on this level. Well, yeah, at the writing level. It's like, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's like Aaron Sorkin on Western, but it's not. Because he was yeah. he was credited with writing because he did do actually all the writing. I guess like, but in the documentary I watched yeah. uh, a little while ago, I think it's the one on either the gold edition or the Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Mark Frost talking and how he had to, they had to hide the pages so nobody mm. knew who killed Laura Palmer to keep the mystery going, even amongst the, the actors and everything. Right. And it sounds like he was still... In charge and writing, uh, doing a lot of the writing or at least coordinating the writing and stuff to make sure it was consistent. So I I still feel like it still has their their paws all over it, even if it wasn't the lead writer. Absolutely. Um, Most of the episodes in season one have that. They're much more unified in feel than than the way things kind of get in in season season two. two, Yeah. But yeah, so definitely has that uh, That that very special Lynch Frost feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the log lady intro for this episode is about sadness. She's talking about yes. sadness, where it comes from, and she speaks to it kind of on two levels. There's kind of the the emotional level of where sadness comes from, which where, she says yeah. is ignorance. Well, it's not that it comes from ignorance. It's just that we are ignorant. We are yeah, sad it, because we're ignorant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It does come from ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> you just described it well. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like yeah, ignorance uh, leads to sadness, and because we don't know things. And one of them is sadness. It's also the future of sadness. Will sadness ever end is the way mm-hmm. she ends it. But then she also has this weird interjection in the middle that uh, is reminiscent of Cooper later in the episode where she's talking about the physical things of sadness. Where do tears come from? She says, tear ducts. Like, <laughs> like, actually, where do they yeah, come from in the body? And it's reality. like, yeah, okay, tear ducts, of course, long lady. <laughs> where else did they come from? But it's just, you know, it's a typical thing. And then she kind of wands back to uh, Will 
sadness ever ends? And the answer is yes. But that's not what you get in the episode. The sadness sadness has only just begun. Yes, and it's really hitting. It's it's all in... And the episode ends in sadness, right? It's it's, uh, Cooper and Hawk walking... Oh yeah, but away. but it is it is definitely um, you know it's the emotional I think the emotional crescendo that we've been gearing towards for the last four episodes happens here because it is Laura's funeral. Yeah. So it's it's kind of the natural point where yeah sadness is going to start to to come into play. This is when you're really saying goodbye and it's really um, now it's real, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so everybody's kind of gearing up for this for this funeral, but on top of this. Where we left the characters uh, in the last episode, Cooper was having a dream, which was the, the weirdest. Dream, yes. The dream. The Everybody dream. knows when you're talking about Twin, Twin Peaks, Peaks and you the talk dream, about yeah. the dream. Yeah. This is the dream. In the red room. In the red room. And so, so yeah, he, he starts off. Well, first of all, Audrey appears. Yes. And, and I, this is a Monday morning. This is yeah. Monday, February 27th, 1989, yeah. when this when this happens. And so this is the start of like, shouldn't people be at school? And that's actually Cooper brings it up as soon as well, he Well, not really, her. kind of, but not really. Yeah. Not, yeah. So, yeah. so Audrey's waiting in, or waiting around in the, the Great Northern. The Great Northern. She calls Agent Cooper Colonel, Colonel Cooper, Cooper, which I think is just adorable. And Why? I don't know. What? Just, why does she do that? Why like, does she do that? Yeah. Because she's confused. <laughs> it gives them an opportunity to say. Just Agent Audrey. Special Agent. Yeah. Which is it's so stupid. It's just, it's just. I didn't, I didn't get that. I'm yeah. like, why does she think he's a colonel? Like, it doesn't. Is she? Is that like an epi, Is that like a, a phrase that people use in the states where it's like, Colonel Cooper? Mm. Like, is that how you hit on someone? I don't know. It's I don't think weird so, but I think I think it's it's just a way for uh, for that in it, it's it's purely for all well, it's. I think it's purely for my enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked <laughs> in that case it then. Yeah, so well. Uh, I just like the way he kind of. It's a very sexy conversation they have, which is disturbing because yeah, Audrey should be in school. Well, yeah, and, and she goes, "I'm kind of in a rush" because he invites her to sit down to, to breakfast, breakfast with him. Yeah, and she goes, "Well, I'm I'm kind of in a rush, like Where's for what? Right? Yeah, or whatever he yeah, says." Yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, she's supposed she to be in be English in class, school, like. Yeah. <laughs> And this is, so this is the start of the kids never being in school. Yeah. I mean, you kind of get it because it's the day of the funeral. We'll get to it next episode maybe yeah. when there's really no excuse and yeah. the kids theoretically would be back. Maybe they did. Are they in? There is another scene in the school you Oh, said. yeah, there is. Okay, yeah. so yeah. We'll, maybe we'll but talk yeah. about that. Oh, there's there a couple more scenes in the school, actually. Yeah. But, but yeah, so... Um, but anyway, Audrey sits down to breakfast with Cooper and we Sorry. find out that his... Oh. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again. That's fine. Because I thought there was a nice little visual cue to this. There's, uh, There's like a... After Audrey swings around to interrupt, intercept Cooper, it pans over to a fish, and it's like Audrey's going fishing almost. Like she's <laughs> she's like l- searching uh. and looking for it. Uh, it's kind of cute because like you see her kind of laying in wait, and she sees him coming around the corner, and then she sneaks back, and she's all excited. It's it's just a nice little. I didn't catch that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. really cute. So yeah, okay. Did you take film studies in university? No, but I notice things, Lindsay. I'm observant. What color dress was I wearing the night that we met? Black. It was white. Oh, it was a white dress. No, it wasn't. It That's was our wedding white. dress. I always remember no. it because it's the opposite of what a wedding no, dress would be. No, Aiden. It's my grad dress a was wedding. a white dress. Okay. So I am observant when it comes to <laughs> film. I should specify. Anyways, go Very on. <laughs> so, yes, we have this this sexy little interchange exchange. Inter, inter-exchange. Yeah. Sexy little exchange <laughs> between these two. And we don't realize right away, but it comes up pretty quickly that um, that Cooper has an ulterior motive, and it's that he he had this note slipped under his door 
not the night before, but the night before that. So Saturday night. And he figures it's from Audrey. Yeah. He compliments her perfume. And we remember back to the episode where he found the note mm -hmm. and he smelled it. Yeah. And so, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I never caught on that. Clue, yeah, obviously. so yeah. so yeah. either she sprayed the note with her perfume, or, she's or just it so just strong. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was it was there. But and then he uh, he gets her to write her name, uh, write her name on a on and a of piece course of paper. he picks out her finger, her handwriting from the note. Yes, and confronts her about it. And I love this because it's it's an, another start of Audrey trying to be this Nancy Drew. You know, yeah, you start getting helper. That. Yeah, she just wants to help him. So yeah. she she slides the note under his door, and it says Jack with one eye. So he wants to know what that's all about. And at first, she plays coy, like, "Did I do that? Did yeah. I really slip it under your door?" But of course, he knows. And once she's been made, she admits, "Okay, so it's this place north of the border, and Where men, go, men there. go there, and women work there. Women yeah. work there. So did Laura work there? And and." Well, no, she worked at my father's department store, store at the perfume counter. And this was weird because I, I don't see Cooper admitting to this. A real professional FBI agent probably would not say Ronette also worked at the perfume counter. Like, he wouldn't reveal that little bit of well, I think the investigation. Laura might have known, or everybody would know maybe that Ronette. Like, it wasn't a big secret that she worked there. Right, but I just, I feel like that something that would cause him to react that way would be something he'd keep a little closer to the it's chest. It's also a little weird. It's a little retconny because they're like, oh, well, as far as we know, they had no connection. Well, you think they'd ask, like, did they work together? Like, in the first, in the pilot right. episode, they're like, oh, they, as far as we know, they had no connection except right. for being in the same class. It's like, no, they work together. Like, that's a pretty clear connection to each other that yeah. they would have to be explored. So, yeah. it's a little, it's a little... Well, it's early days. It's only yeah. been, you know, they've been investigating for a few days. That's true. Yeah, maybe you know, now this is just be coming out. But yeah. anyways, yeah. So so he says that it gets Audrey thinking. Um, it gets him thinking. But what he's thinking about, and this is what I was going to get at, mm -hmm. his little comment about... That right wood slant in your handwriting indicates a romantic nature. A heart that yearns. Be careful. And all I can think about is how, like we've talked about before, that, that these scenes were written with the express purpose of building, of building relationship, this relationship. Yeah. And clearly these two have amazing chemistry on screen. And it's played up for that kind of... There's a there's a sexual undercurrent. It's oh, there. It's hugely there. I mean, when he says it indicates a romantic nature, it's yeah. not like he's talking about... It, at least when the first time I watched it, it was like overtly a sexually romantic thing. Not like yeah. romantic in the sense of having like wonder and seeking adventure and stuff like that. No. Which is, I think, how it was kind of written. But the way Kamen mm. Glockland delivers it is very like romantic and you have to keep your heart safe and stuff like that. I don't know what the quote is, but you know, that kind of approach well, is and even, different. Well, even than... just the stuff that isn't written on the page, like aside from the lines, the way that he looks at her yeah. and the way that she looks at him, like this scene was definitely played up. It's it's just, it's such a tease when you realize that they don't You guys are so obsessed through. with this. Anyway, I really yes. am because yes. it makes me angry. Yes, it, but that's what it was setting up, sure. Yes. Yeah, so, and I love it. Yeah. But then he asked her to leave because... Yes. Uh, Truman and Lucy arrive. Truman and Lucy arrive. And he describes... So here's kind of a pivot, and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, is saying like, oh, well, he knows who the killer is at the, at the end of the dream. Mm -hmm. And then he forgets. He just totally magically. forgets. And it's kind of annoying. He describes everything else about the dream. Yeah, he yeah. describes things that we didn't even see in the dream. Yeah, like Lucy being there, which yeah. she wasn't. Well, but she was in the international pilot version. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. A so big he's, standard thing. So if yeah. we if we, you know, think back to that whole that. scene, she was there, whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah. 
But he's remembering things that we haven't seen. He's remembering details that, right, I, for whatever reason, he remembers those details, but he doesn't remember the big reveal yeah. of who Laura's killer was. So instead, they, they kind of pivot around in order to make it a show. And they, they say, you know, what is the quote? It's, break the code, solve the crime. So he has all these clues about Laura's death, about her killer potentially being Bob. Um, and... Yeah, and so he's they're focused on solving this thing, and you get a, the first clue actually comes in this episode with the whole my arms bent back right. thing, right? So it starts right away, and you start figuring out, okay, this is how they're gonna move the plot along in the future is they're gonna find the clues that match with the dream. Yeah, and it's an effective tool because every time you do it, you're like, oh yes, yeah, it matches. exactly. It's, it, 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 you it's know like, you're getting closer. It's setting up that it's laying out a, a roadmap yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, that fits in with Cooper's already established penchant for I don't know I don't want to say supernatural but it's definitely not earthbound means yeah. of detection yeah. he certainly employs those too but he has he's in touch with something that's that's deeper and he and he believes in that anyway so um so yeah. it just it just underscores his oddness I think and yeah yeah but also sure. the fact that that we still have Truman totally going along with it Lucy totally going oh, yeah. along with it. Well, and they have, they have that cute little scene where... She whispered the name of the killer in my ear. Who was it? I don't remember. Damn. Damn. It's just five <laughs> seconds, like a second so later. Cute. So cute. I yeah. also wanted to bring up, um, yeah. this is the first time that we hear that the killer's name is Bob. Yes, and, yeah, he identifies it as Bob. And yeah. that there's another character named Mike yeah. that is brought up in the dream, yeah. who they used to work together and were killers at some point yeah. in the past. And Truman and Lucy both are like Mike and Bobby. It's Mike and Bobby, but different Mike, different Bob. Yeah. And that's um, just another effective example of how the, these, the show yeah, yeah plays with the duality uh, just by setting up you know these two characters the, with, the well same. four characters with two of them same name two yeah of the same names so. yeah so it's it's yeah it's a cool little trick because you already have these mike and bob in there but here's a totally new mike and totally new bob yeah and you're just not sure yeah yeah so yeah it's definitely a cool touch so then after that we go to uh there's a fight at the morgue yeah we head, we head back is, to the, to the yeah. morgue which is I think one of my favorite scenes in the entire it is. series oh just rosenfeld's like rosenfield field rosenfield so Jeez. I'm going to call him Rosenfeld for the rest of the show, and you guys just have to know that I'm wrong. But uh, so he's just, just call him Albert. Okay, Albert, Albert. He's his insults are just so deep and so he delivers them so well. It's just so brilliant. Oh god, like the way he's. I have traveled thousands of miles and apparently several centuries to this forgotten sinkhole in order to perform a series of tests. Now I do not ask you to understand these tests. I'm not a cruel man. It's not just the insult. It's the, it's the insult on top that yeah. He just doubles down on it. They're just so genius. And they're and they're verbose. It's like the opposite of Major Briggs because yeah, Briggs is just like super very, nice. Yeah. Professional, yeah. In it, and then, well, yeah. Maybe Albert, nice, Albert clearly has the same <laughs> level of verbosity. He's clearly an intelligent person, yeah. And he employs it in such a fascinating way to make, to make his points that he is so far above everybody Everyone else. else yeah. The blithering hayseeds in this backwater berg. I just love it. It's yeah. just he's he's, he's so full of these that. things. They they really captured his voice, and yeah. I think it's. It's a credit to um, the actor Miguel Ferrer. That yeah. Oh yeah, he did a great, he does yeah. an amazing job. The other thing, I, there were two other things in that scene that I love. Hmm. Uh, besides, you know, 
uh, Albert getting punched and falling on Laura's body, which mm-hmm. is the first time someone falls on Laura, which we come to later, um, is Ben's finger shake mm. when he when he's he's talking and he's he's trying to calm Albert down, mm-hmm. and then Albert just cuts him up because he's amazing, um, and then. After Albert gets punched and Albert complains to Cooper, mm-hmm. and Cooper says, The sheriff didn't mean anything. He hit me. Well, I'm sure he meant to do that. I just, there are great little comedic moments it's, it's, in the middle of a very tense scene. Yeah, it's tragic. Like, it's tragedy and com- tragic yeah, comedy, yeah, right? Like tragedy? it's tragic comedy. Tragic comedy? Tragic comedy. Comedy? Com- no, tragic comedy. Okay, Aiden. sure. I won't try and think about it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a perfect mix of, because they're, they're in a morgue and there's Laura's body and. And yeah, Albert gets punched and he falls on top of her body and it's it's a huge violation, but but surrounding him are all of these comic characters. Not strictly comic characters, but, no, but they're in characters this scene, they that are, are comic. playing yeah. comic roles almost. It's yeah. you know, well, yeah, like when he picks up the drill and he's gonna drill in her head. Yeah, like, he's got a... he's got cutting and pasting to do, he says. It's like <laughs> it's, it's such just a dark so, scene. Yeah. But they play it for laughs and it's Well, it's but great. it's laughs that you feel really bad about about laughing at. Right? I don't know. I, I do. Don't, I don't mind. Well, <laughs> I you have hilarious. no heart. So. Well, you know, Laura wasn't going to either. Anyways. Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. it's ended with, so the fight gets broken up. Harry gets sent outside. Albert. Complains. But the the body is being released. The yeah. funeral happens. Goes on. Everybody clears out. And there's this beautiful, beautifully shot, beautifully lit moment where Agent Cooper picks up Laura's arm, which has been dislodged from the fight. During the fight, it falls off uh, off the of table. her chest and and is is laying dangling. down, dangling down beside the. Are you gonna like just yep. interject Every all time. these words? Yeah. <laughs> Can you just be quiet for thirty seconds? All right, you have thirty seconds. I'm counting on the screen. <laughs> oh Go. my god! So anyway, he he leans over and his arm comes into the shot at the same angle that her arm is dangling, and he picks it up very very gently and lays it across her chest again and it's just a very tender moment between these two characters who have been brought together by they never meet they they don't have any screen time aside from in his dream but it's um it's just a it's just a really beautiful moment between these two there's just such sadness that pervades okay, that's 30 seconds. the atmosphere you did, you did. Well. thank you you did as well yeah that was, that was really hard wasn't it it was very very <laughs> difficult moving on next scene is a short one at least that i have notes on is uh where leland you see leland for yes. the first time on the day of his star's funeral and first of all he's getting drugs he's getting he's being he's, injected he's being injected with something again. i don't know why you keep harping on the drug I, angle because the drugs are just it's another man-made thing, and plus, there's drugs all throughout. It's about Laura's yeah, cocaine, okay. and yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's wouldn't isn't it expected that he's no, just no? It's a it's another way of avoidance. It's what they do mm-hmm. when there's a problem. People resort to drugs because they can't handle the truth, and it's another thing. They're ignorance of the truth, so they just they they avoid it. They avoid the sadness, and every time he's not on the drugs, he's crying basically in this episode or weeping and falling apart. So I don't know. I just I just. It's it's a crutch for these characters, and it's really just the Palmers who, for the most part, wind up doing it. For um, now. Yeah, that we know of, yeah. Um, but you also, this is the first time you get to see Madeline. Maddie. Maddie Ferguson. Yeah. Who is also played by Cheryl Lee. And I just need to give her some major props because they do not come easily uh, with regard to this character. I think she does a phenomenal job, and Aiden does not necessarily agree with me on this, but I think she, Cheryl Lee, who did not have a ton of acting experience as far as I can tell, and, and from her own accounts, Twin Peaks was the first biggest thing that she 
had ever done. Obviously. <laughs> um, but she does a phenomenal job of separating Laura and Maddie, who are, they, I mean, it's played up throughout all of Maddie's episodes that she looks exactly like Laura Palmer. She's just got dark hair. So again, it's another one of these dualities of not just that they look the same, but that there's a light hair, dark hair. Yeah. It's a, it's... Well, and it's, it's even uh, right before you meet her. Yes. Uh, there's the Invitation to Love intro yes. where it says... Emerald there's and Jade. A, Emerald and Jade, yeah. Played two. by the same actress. Yeah. So it's, it's a little that ode there. Yeah, opera, a little but, nod. But yeah. But yeah, um, what, what Cheryl Lee does with Maddie is... Um, I mean, it's there's subtle things. It's it's the way she carries herself. It's the cadence and timbre of her voice. Yeah. Like it's very, it's subtle, but it almost, honest to God, it fooled me when I first watched it. I thought they just it was a totally different actress yeah. for, initially, and it didn't take long for me to realize, yeah. oh yeah, that's Cheryl Lee. But yeah. she plays it so differently, and that's really remarkable. And I just I think she needs to be commended for that. She yeah. is she does a really great no, job and especially here. when you compare it to. Laura, when you get Laura in mm-hmm. uh, Fire Walk with me, it is you really because I mean yeah. that Laura is she's, unhinged. Yeah, well, unhinged and crazy, and Maddie's you know a perfectly sane, nice little girl, but Laura also had like the the temptress kind of sexy sure. uh, thing that because she was going unhinged and she'd been abused her whole life and everything, uh, she had this whole other dynamic to her, mm-hmm. and Maddie's just you know she's a fairly straight kind of like she looks like a librarian. Yeah. And, and she kind of reminds me throughout of being like a nice, quiet, reserved librarian who doesn't have, you know, a, a crazy, she's not into S&M when she gets home or anything. She's just nice, plain, quiet Maddie the whole time. From and she Missoula, plays a, Montana. Yeah, yeah. And Which is yeah. where David Lynch is from. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. No, it is. Yeah. You're, I agree, though. She does a good job, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's necessary because when you have the same actress playing two different roles and when so many of the characters throughout the next few episodes mistake her or not necessarily mistake her but they do a double take when they see her because she looks so much like laura it's it's important considering laura's stature in the town that that this character be differentiated and and it is very wonderfully so yeah definitely um so then oh no the funeral's still a little ways away yeah first you go to norma Yes, Norman the Double quick, R. Yeah, so she has a quick. She has a meeting with uh, her husband Hank Jennings. Her, Mr. Mooney, his his attorney. His name is. Oh, Mr. is that his Mooney. attorney? Oh, that's right. He comes attorney, up in yeah. the next episode when he actually gets yeah. parole. Yeah. Uh, so he's gonna be up for parole soon. Norma does not look happy about this. Yeah, but she does defend him, and she she's going to offer him a job so that he can. Well, get she's parole. being the dutiful wife. I don't think we should read too much into this aside from the fact that she feels a sense uh, an obligation. I think that's all she has towards Hank at this point. Yeah, but because she, she mentioned in the first episode that she was going to divorce him. Yeah, but then why let him get out? Like, why say no? I don't want him back. You keep him for another know. two years. Like, I don't, I don't Women know. Women are are challenging creatures, Aiden. <laughs> wow, that that was sexist. Anyways, <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. We're we're not one track people, so well, no, she nobody can have, is. I'm just saying it's conflicting emotions and I, conflicting views. Yeah, on I, things. and she does because she, eventually she almost seems like she wants to get back with Hank when once he does come back for a little bit. Like she, yeah. he does warm his way into her heart a little bit, and you kind of see maybe what she initially saw in him uh, in a very brief period. But at this point, she seemed so devoted to Ed. You know, they'd met in the pilot. Um, but then again, the next scene you see her and Ed meeting is uh, later in the episode, mm-hmm. and she gives him kind of a cold look. And so I'm not sure if she's mad at him maybe at this particular point in time, maybe because he went back to Nadine 
uh, it's hinted that Nadine and him had and Ed had a nice night together. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, and is how Norma, would Mom have known that? Yeah, how would she know that though? Like it's it's kind of odd. It's, Maybe he didn't call her. Oh, could be on her cell phone. <laughs> Late night when she needed his, his love. love. Well, we're not getting into Drake here. That's not allowed. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So Unless they didn't have cell phones. Well, they did, but they weren't. Norma didn't have a cell phone. Nobody had cell phones. Anyways. Some people had cell phones, I'm sure. 89? Yeah. I don't think so. We should look that up before okay, we well, say anything with certainty. Okay, next episode, the cell phone episode. <laughs> we still haven't come back to the We're cutting shoes. in with Drake, too. Good Lord. <laughs> That's going to be our new intro song no, next we're episode. we're not. I'm doing it. Anyways. Um, the Ducks. The ducks. I just oh, wanted God, to say yeah. known about the ducks because this is the funniest. I I just it's another episode or another scene of of Cooper being enthralled Cooper. with uh, local fauna. It's just he's just like ducks on a pond and like you've never seen ducks before. And he's so happy. And, and it's, it's so clear at this point that this that the show is being yeah. filmed in Southern California. Yeah. Like this, there's, there's no the much sunshine. Yeah, in, I'm sorry. Yeah, like I've Northwest. I've been to Seattle. Uh, Victoria, Vancouver it's area. There, it's like they, you they never don't get, get the sun. You get that amount of sun one day a year. Yeah, Maybe, yeah. Like that clear of a so, sky. I mean, yeah. they did a good job of masking it. Like it, it the ex, the forests and stuff like mm. that look like the Northwest close enough. Um, and a lot of the exterior shots are okay. Um, Except when you see so the odd bright. palm tree, which is a little strange. Yeah, but a little anyway, odd. but yeah, it, not to be too nitpicky. It's just it's just interesting that the light is much warmer and 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 sunnier I, yeah, I guess yeah and I, oh and just a one last note on because so leo is they talk to leo yeah this Terminator. is where they're at they they go up to see leo johnson to uh ask him a question remember the rock bottle thing yeah, that happened so in the last episode he's he at the, the top one, of the list yeah. top of their suspect list so and cooper tells him. him he's lying right away and like yeah. they, there's a little there's a bit of tension generated there i that seems short it's not very important to the episode really um except for you know making that uh, making that tension clear um, but I like the the cut away from Leo. He's chopping wood, and then the final cut is him just he just chops uh, another piece of wood, and then it cuts to the next scene. And I thought mm-hmm. that was just nice because it was just like it's a very angry, uh, yeah, yeah. violent kind yeah. of. Well, and we've already we've already on. seen what Leo's capable of. Yeah, and I mean it's just it's just an it's it's another way that the the show uh, creates characters not through actions even or anything like that. It's yeah. just the way they're filmed uh, becomes part of who, how the characters are. Yeah. Um, and that's just a, another really good example. Um, did you want to move on to? Yeah, the next step, the next scene cuts right to the Bergs' Bobby, home and yeah. and Bobby and his dad having having another conversation that um, it doesn't quite mirror their conversation from uh, I guess would be the night before the meatloaf situation. Yeah, Briggs uh, has kind of softened a bit. Maybe he doesn't slap his kid around for sure, but. Uh, but Bobby is is still pretty upset, and well, you see it like his initial shot is uh, there's a cross on the wall, a crucifix, yeah. and he's kind of reaching up to it. He kind of inverts the crucifix in a well, way. Well, I don't know if he inverts it; he's copying it. He's copying it, but his ar- his arms are down and the crucifix is up mm-hmm. or the other way around or something like that. And then he, he's reaching out to touch it when his dad walks in. Right. Like it's it's a very like it's a very religious imagery for. You know, because you're approaching the funeral, mm-hmm. and that's what the scene is all about. Is right. Briggs, Major Briggs, is trying to prepare his son mentally and emotionally for the funeral, saying, "Yeah, son, don't be afraid. We'll all be there together." Afraid of what? Well, the funeral. I'm not afraid of any damn funeral. Afraid? Hardly wait 
afraid, I'm gonna turn it upside down. Which is great. Like oh, that's just, just such a. And then he does it. Which yeah, is just, such an intense yeah. scene. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. Like I've 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 read a few comments online and stuff of people saying they didn't like uh, what's his name Dane Ashbrook. Dan Ashbrook, yeah. Uh, they didn't like or his... Dan Ashbrook, I don't know how to Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. But uh, they didn't like his acting. They thought he wasn't very good early on. I thought he was he was amazing in everything in the first season. Like, Yeah, I really feel like... I don't know if it's so much... It's a combination of his acting and the writing for his character. Yeah. Like he, in this episode especially, is, is really... Um, you get a, a really different feeling from him that he's... Like you said earlier, uh, almost a truth teller, yeah. and you feel sorry for him, and you feel like he's on a path to somewhere that he wasn't on when the sh- when the show started, but yeah. that Laura's death has triggered something in him that's that's going to change him fundamentally, yeah. or it already has changed him. So, so I think that that's it, it's I think really the first example of character growth, yeah, in it the is. show, yeah. Which yeah, he, is great for the fourth episode. Because right? I remember hating Bobby, Bobby in the first like three episodes. You're I'm just not like, hating him; it's just oh, like indifferent him. to him. No, no, I hate him. Really? I thought he was he was the jerk boyfriend who was cheating on his girlfriend, and and then he's cheating with Shelly, and she's also cheating. Although granted, against Leo, so it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I, I I really didn't like Bobby at all in the first couple episodes, and then here he comes out. Well, when we get to the funeral, which is coming right up, uh, he's he's just he takes it to another level, mm-hmm. and he's he's very honest which is the f- something like, that he, nobody really is no nobody has been nobody's been telling which the is, truth about which is such anything. a contrast to his mother who walks in right after yeah. this intense showdown between bobby and his dad and she's she's getting dressed for the funeral she's putting on her gloves and she has this giant smile button on her jacket and i'm like that is so inappropriate uh, to walk into right. a funeral you know she's just <laughs> this bubbly if, kind if there of, was ever uh, a character who exemplified what it meant to be dishonest yeah. or the ignorance of, of sadness, it's it's Betty Briggs. Hundred yeah, percent. She's just she always wears this mask. It's almost like a Stepford yeah, Wife kind of wife, thing. Totally. That, that's just a very nineteen fifties stereotype of the buttoned up housewife who can't show emotion. And why is that, right? So yeah, they they uh they haven't quite we haven't quite gotten to the, the funeral yet, but we yeah. cut back to the, the sheriff station yeah. And Albert's final report, yes. which details uh, the horrific circumstances surrounding Laura's last few hours alive, including a like. So there's two major ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is he does say that well, like, she, was, she bound was bound with two different types of twine, twine once at the wrist, wrist and, and one at her arms. at her arms, and her arms bent back when she was done. Yeah. So Albert demonstrates this for Cooper, and he remembers that from his dream. Yeah. And uh, he he definitely. Um, he confirms the suspicion of the cocaine in her system. He also says that the killer washed his hands, like when it's all over. He washes his hands, and then he leans in for a kiss. Like, he, yes. he, grope, he grabbed uh, the back of Laura's head to bring her in and kiss her. Yeah. Goodbye. Which is creepy, creepy and very, very creepy. strange. But it's also, it, it implies the level of, obviously... The killer knew her, or at least thought he did. Or yeah, or, well, no, probably knew her for sure because mm-hmm. everybody knew everybody in the small town. Right. But loved her, and yes. that's or thought he did at least. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of narrows it down, but you don't know. Maybe Laura had a fourth boyfriend for all we right. know, right? So you really can't tell. Maybe Leo was secretly in love with her mm-hmm. uh, and did this. You know, it's it's hard to tell. He still has the bloody shirt, of course, yeah. and everything. We also get um, two more pieces of of information that lead to two separate lines of inquiry. 
One is that Laura had bites on her shoulder, which came from an animal. Albert will look into this a little further later, later on. on. Um, he's been denied access now. Her body's going in the ground, so he's going to have to take upset his... upset about that. Of course, but he's going to take his findings back to uh, Philadelphia and get back to them. He also finds a piece of plastic in her stomach with the letter J on it. So, again, just tying in a few more lines of inquiry that, that will come into play in the next few episodes. Yeah. Um, and I found there's just an interesting thing, because at the end, Albert tries to get Cooper to uh, file a report against Truman right. for him. Uh, and Cooper denies him. And I thought this was an interesting uh, turn of character. It was it was perhaps a little bit of character mm-hmm. growth as well. Um, you just see how uh, how much Cooper admires this town and the the scenery and the, the setting of Twin Peaks, maybe as its own character even, really. Mm-hmm. Cooper's fallen in love with this character of Twin Peaks. Um, and it, it's really indicative of where his allegiance is kind of lie, is going to lay in the next in the future. And you see that the rest of the episode, the Bookhouse Boys come in, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a para legal uh, act, act group, right? Like, they don't operate within the bounds of the law. Like, they're not deputies. They kind of just take the law into their own hands, mm-hmm. which is, like, obviously a no-no for any federal law enforcement officer, especially. But he goes along with it. But he it. goes along with it. He dives right into it with them. And it's, it's you know, he's kind of like, at this point, he's gone native, like, is the term that they use when, if you're going undercover as a police officer, mm. is when you, you go native when you stop thinking like a cop and you start thinking like uh, a biker gang member or something like that, right? And that's yeah. kind of where Cooper is four episodes in. Like, it's it's really Which interesting. Which I think, I, I, I don't see it as being a, a wholesome thing. Like, they, he he makes a note to Diane that he wants to look into his pension, op- yeah. or pension options regarding outside real estate investment. Yeah. Um, and it could be played off as a really, you know, tender, cute, you know, quirky moment, but... But I, I feel like there's something else at play here. Like, you're right. Four days in, for him to be this tied to the town that he's looking at, you know, settling down there at yeah. some point. And Sheriff Truman did assault a federal agent. Yeah, so that, I mean, warranted or not, that should still have, have gone into a report. And yeah. I don't understand why Cooper didn't sign that. His allegiance to the town does not seem... Uh, well, entirely believable. Well, or, and above board. It's just, yeah. There's something else. I mean, going he does. He there. does tell Albert straight up, like he's he's just your conduct so far. You basically deserve to get punched. Is what he's saying to Albert. Which you know, as the audience, you're like, yeah, yeah Albert was being a dick. Of course, he deserved to get punched. Um, but yeah, it just it does raise some ethical questions about Cooper's involvement. And yeah, he's it comes especially up again. considering that that Cooper specifically requested that Albert be the one that yeah. that takes over this case. He didn't didn't want it to go to Sam, because Albert was more on the ball. So he wanted Albert there. He clearly respects Albert on some level, professionally or otherwise. So why would he not have his back? And I think there's a betrayal there that Albert feels as well. This was brought up in uh, other by other people. This is not my original idea by any stretch. But it, it in watching it now, I can see that there there is a kind of a level of betrayal on on Albert's face that oh yeah, and just in his his behavior yeah. that indicates he he was not expecting this no, and we don't we shouldn't expect it either. Cooper is is a law abiding guy. He's a Boy Scout. This is this is strange behavior for him. Yeah, yeah. no, it's Twin true. Peaks has bewitched him. Yes, yeah, and it comes up again and again. Mm-hmm. Like obviously 
the whole DEA investigation in season two comes up too. Yeah. But, but in any case. Um, Just a couple of quick notes yeah. to move us through to yeah. the funeral. We get a scene with uh, Nadine and you realize that she's not entirely all there. Yeah. Um, Even she more so. She yeah. doesn't remember who James is. Yeah. He's been her, her nephew, nephew for, ostensibly for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, and she just, I, I don't want to use the word unhinged because we've used it already once, but also because it's a little disrespectful. But in terms of of her mental health, you 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 you've got to question that there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, and and for me, this I didn't pick up on this the first time I watched it. Like I didn't even realize that she'd forgotten who James was. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a sign that she's not just a quirky character that. Like up till then, she's just she's very intense mm-hmm. and she loves Ed, and then she gets mad at him. Like she's just a very like she's a high and low kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, but here you get the sense, yeah, she's she's not well, um, and it's it's obvious, and it's on Ed's face even too. Yeah. You know, it's kind of sad. To um, have this scene play out right before we go to the only other character in the show up to this point who has been. Uh, like identified diagnosed, yeah. or diagnosed with a mental uh, health condition or mental disability, we we jump to the Great Northern and we see Doctor Jacoby working with Johnny Horn through trying Audrey. to well, sort of. Audrey, well, yeah, yeah, oh Audrey yes, we see up, yeah. her. It's through her eyes. She's yeah. sneaking through some back passages in the in the hotel, which I guess would have been built in. I didn't realize this, but somebody said a lot of these grand hotels have secret passages between the walls so that servicemen. Don't, aren't be aren't being seen by the guests. Uh, they can go to rooms and fix the electricity or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know whatever in uh, between the walls. So, makes sense. Yeah. Because I often wondered like, yeah, how is this Audrey real? Yeah, going she always, around? Yeah, through. she always knew them all so perfectly. So she yeah. has, and she, she so she's watching her brother and Doctor Jacoby through a hole in the wall, and she's hearing her mother and father fighting over how he can't wear his Native American headdress to the funeral. And uh, for once, I agree with Ben that that's just not appropriate. It's not appropriate at any point. But Dr. Jacoby helps him remove this this headdress and get him um, ready for the funeral. Yeah. To get him ready for the funeral. And yeah. so to have those two characters uh back to back, I think is is another way that the show is signaling to us that, you know, it's not these aren't just quirky characters. They're characters deserving of more than just our scorn or our Yeah. They're not here for, for humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so Yeah, no for sure. It's interesting. Uh, so yeah, then we get to the funeral. The funeral, which is what we've been waiting for. Yeah, and it's and it's a really good scene. You know, the first time I watched it, uh, this episode, I thought, um, you know, the directing isn't quite as good, the writing isn't quite as good, and I was just, I think I was just looking for an excuse for why, or I was looking at, at the fact that David Lynch and Mark Frost weren't involved in saying, oh, well, it's not going to be as good, and then mm-hmm. finding things to confirm it. But this scene is really good for a number of reasons. Uh, well, I think I think the the thing that that draws me in for this scene is that there's everybody in town, literally all of the the suspects that we've come across at this point, with the notable exception of Dr. Jacoby, everybody is there. And it's the first time that all of these characters have been sharing the same space. And it's an opportunity for Cooper to be observant again and just kind of catalog who's there and how they're acting. And you you get the sense it's 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 shot that way where it's it's close up or fairly close up on um, each of the characters yeah yeah but on on cooper agent cooper's face as he watches you know james show up and then he looks to bobby Bobby. what's bobby's reaction now that james is here and and you get donna and you get 
all all the characters yeah. that are involved. And that's what I mean. Like that was a really cool shot. It's like yeah. just an interesting thing because the priest is just kind of droning on and talking. And stuff. Right. Maybe that's why I never noticed it because I was so enthralled with the shot and yeah. just seeing how these people are reacting to yeah. being at, at Laura's funeral. But yeah. I've never even noticed what the. Yeah. I just at the end when he says that he he instructed her in in Bible study or well yeah he taught her at Sunday school and yeah, stuff, yeah so and he he loved her with the kind of love that you reserve for the headstrong yeah. and 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 then there's a nice little cut away which I I tried to get an answer from this uh, on this question from Sherilyn Fenn on Twitter but she has not yet replied I don't think she will she <laughs> yeah, does she does to lots of people I just oh, yeah. threw it out there yeah. but um, her outfit. Audrey's outfit yeah. in this scene and her, the way her hair is done mirrors Agent Cooper's. Yeah. And I, I just think that has to be intentional. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Um, no, I, I noticed that too. flirty yeah. moment, which I thought, yeah. again, so inappropriate. <laughs> at, at, the funeral, at a funeral, while the priest is talking, yeah. or father, whoever it is. Uh, yeah, and they're just like, and he grins a little, yeah. and then James shows up and ruins yeah. everything. <laughs> like he usual. always does. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, so then, so after they, they have this whole thing with just their eyes and, and the yes. characters' faces, and it's really, really great. And then Johnny jumps in and says, Amen. Amen. Yeah. And then Bobby jumps in. You damn hypocrites make me sick! Everybody knew she was in trouble. But we didn't do anything. All you good people. You want to know who killed Laura? You did! We all did. Yeah, and it's it's kind of getting back to the log lady stuff in that they all kind of contributed to this, like, willful ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody, he's saying everybody knew she was in trouble, but you all chose to be remain ignorant of it, like, on the surface. Mm-hmm. And, and when you think about Laura, you didn't want to think about all the things that were wrong with her. But you all also knew that there were things wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you're all sad now. Because you you should have known that this was coming. And yet you chose it. You killed Laura is yeah. what he says at the end. Yeah. Is, is it. Which is interesting because we've been we've been waiting for four episodes now. Three and a half episodes. For to find out to who say. killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. Well, everybody contributed to her death. Yeah, what, he even like, says it that way. Yeah. Right? He's like, who killed Laura Palmer? You did. Yeah. All of you kind of thing. And that, that's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is great because it's it's... It's not untrue. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, anybody could have helped Stepped her at in, some yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, Bobby's guilty of that, too, of for course, sure. Of course, but he doesn't, he doesn't absolve himself either. Because no. he does say, we all did. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and then, yeah, there's the. At that at that point, that's when James, James jumps in. in and they, Well. They get in a little Yeah, it's, and, it's. But it serves as the distraction for yeah. the main emotional thrust, which, yeah. again, was so horrific to watch as a five-year-old. Leland Palmer, the second time in this episode that somebody has fallen on Laura's body. Yeah. When Leland, her dad, collapses onto her. Well, he, her. like, jumps on. Yeah, well, <laughs> There's that great shot him. of him, like, his arms extend and he just, just like falls onto it. down onto it. It's great. But he falls onto her casket and breaks the lift mechanism that and it starts lowers going it into up the. And down and, and stuff. And, and it's, uh, yeah. so Sheriff Truman and Cooper try and, after breaking up the fight between Bobby and James, they try and pull Leland off, off the casket. And Sarah has an interesting, she, yeah. she tells him, she shrieks at him, don't ruin this too. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting way of phrasing it because don't ruin this too implies he's ruined something else. So yeah. is she just and referring to the night before when he... He smashed the... the smashed the picture and, and had his little, you know, 
freak had, out. And, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's, that's the way I interpreted it the first sure. time I watched it for sure. I was like, oh yeah, she's still mad at him for, cause we binged this too. So it was really yeah. easy to remember. Oh yeah. Well, that just, that happened, just happened 40 minutes ago. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it is. But it hints at some discord there. Yeah, that, exactly. That it's, is unsettling. It's like he, it's like almost, I almost got the sense that he's prone to this, that he, he over, not over, well, in this case, it's over, it's mm-hmm. an overreaction and it's an inability to deal with sadness again. It's, yeah. it's. You know, it's an he, for him the sadness is never going to end, mm-hmm. and that's true for his character, really. Sadly, um, spoiler alert. But uh, you know, he uh, he really never kind of gets over Laura's death. Yeah, and you get this here, and she's just she's pissed off at him. I liked also the metaphor of like. Truman and uh, Cooper, they can't reach him. Yeah. Like, literally, they cannot reach him physically, yeah. and then they can't reach him emotionally. Yeah. And nobody else can, too. Mm-hmm. They just kind of have to leave him there, you know, uh, in a hole, mm-hmm. <laughs> suffering, really. It's kind of a... Going up and, and down. down. Yeah, just this sad, On sad top of visual. his daughter's casket, which Ugh. is just... It's so... It's... I don't even know the word to describe it. It's just sad. It's very sad. It, it, and... Like again, it's it's a bit melodramatic. I find like I well, yeah, it's super it, or um, it's a soap opera. Yeah, kind, kind of, of re- response. Yeah. right. You just you wail and you never stop wailing. But then when when it's contrasted with the next episode, which is or with the next scene, yeah. where Shelley is making fun of him in the diner, yeah, which again is another way of dealing with this sadness with, yeah, that she yeah. can't maybe she can't process it or or is unable or unwilling to process it. She imitates the Leland falling on a napkin holder yeah, and then for, a couple, of, for yeah, a, couple a couple of, of patrons, uh, patrons yeah. at the bar. They'll have the bar, yeah. Or, yeah, at the countertop, I yeah, mean. Yeah. Um, and it just seems so crass because you've just watched this this horrible scene of sadness and then Shelley and these two old geezers are laughing about it. But it's another instance of like, like there's two ways you could play that scene. Really sad, which is mm-hmm. what they did. Or he could have made it funny. Like they could have, they could have tried to make like maybe he trips and falls onto it, and then why would they do that though? No, no exactly. But that's the thing. Like she's she plays it for laughs afterwards, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it is kind of funny when you think about it. Like it could be interpreted that way. And there's that razor's edge between funny and sad. And that the first time someone fell on the body, it was it was played for laughs. The second time someone does it, it's it's a very sad thing and it's I'm gonna disagree with you there that it was played for laughs. The first time? I don't think it was played for laughs. I think it's meant to be it's like these characters are fighting and they're they're being ridiculous. Yeah. And then and then the it's it's a sharp contrast. This is the tragedy we're dealing with, this is what we should be looking at. So it, yeah, it okay, ends yeah, yeah. The, it's for not, sure. Yeah, okay. But the the scene is funny. The scene is is humorous and and it's a it, very, it a very dark humor. Yes, sure. And if you want to... So I don't... I wouldn't say that this is a belly laugh. This is not Monty Python. No, no, but no. But I'm just saying there's there's the two there's the two iterations of it. One could be funny and one's very dark and sad. And Twin Flakes plays, plays with those both. When it's at its best, it's playing with things that are can be really dark. And well, it's Lynchian, sudden, right? Yeah, it's, it's Lynch. It's, like, that's what he's great at is... very, very macabre. Yeah. Like, you can go super violent and then, like, the, my favorite of all time is from Lost Highway when we, were, we just watched yes. that a couple weeks ago where there's, like, a gangster guy and he runs a dude off the road for cutting him off and then you think he's going to kill him and instead he's just like, learn how to drive, please. You're going to endanger yourself and he's punching him and, like, it's like, it's like a weird mix of, like, very, yeah. very funny... 
but, and very violent, but like a, dark. yeah, an undercurrent of yeah. really darkness and uh, which yeah. isn't. It's not quite the same here because the the same things don't happen in the same in that instant. Like in this case, you have Leland falling on the casket, which is horrible, and then you have Shelley making fun of him. making fun of him for it. So it's not the same scene. No, right? like no, the but two emotions wrapped no, up in I'm one just, scene. But it, yeah, but no, I I know what you're getting at. That yeah, it's, you you can. It's yeah, different ways of interpreting the same event could be. And I think that's just that's just illustrating again where these characters are at. Yeah. Because Shelley clearly is is yeah, maybe not, too mature to, to handle it or hasn't enough, processed. Mean. What did I say? You said too mature to handle it. Too immature to handle. Oh, immature. That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's however what I said, said it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean to say that she was not mature enough to handle yeah. the the funeral, or uh, she's just not ready to process that this girl that she worked with is is now dead or maybe she has inklings about her husband's involvement i mean she does she yeah already has yeah, seen the yeah. blood on his shirt so yeah and she did she bring a gun back already did we skip that it was just a quick yeah. shot yeah so probably yeah but yeah she finds a gun this no that happens too. that happens just after this but, oh, okay yeah but yeah she, she so she she's she's aware of her of leo's potential involvement in laura's murder so maybe this is deflecting some of that yeah or something but but either way it seems really inappropriate it's the same thing as as betty briggs's button it's just another instance of characters who are unable to process the emotions that they're presented yeah no or that they should be yeah so still at the diner yeah we see um cooper gets his intro but this is this is funny i did like this scene i didn't catch it the first time i watched it i remember thinking what's going on like what's happening but in subsequent watches it's like it's something i really look forward to because it's almost like Cooper's being brought out as like a parlor parlor trick. Yeah, yeah, you know, a like, bit, yeah. Like so, Truman a few just, episodes yeah. earlier, Tru- he picked up on Truman and Josie's uh, relationship. relationship. Yeah. So Truman's like, "Ed, you got to see this," and they bet the check. They say whoever loses the bet has to pick up the check. So uh, Cooper comes and sits down. Harry says, "How would you like some fresh huckleberry pie?" I would love a slice of pie. Norma, slice of huckleberry pie, heated, vanilla ice cream on the side, coffee. Coming right up. Big it. how long you been in love with Norma? And it's just, it's so perfect because yeah. it's like, it, he's just so good at this. Yeah, he reads people really well. Right? Really well. You can tell that Leo was lying. Yeah, he, has mm. this, he has this sixth sense, It's a right? gift. Yeah. So, yeah, Ed has to pick up the check. And then, I, so this is his intro to the Bookhouse Boys. Yes. And, and as the audience, you're first look into it too and it's it's again it's part of that thing of what's underneath the surface mm-hmm. of twin peaks and there's two things so there's good and evil really is what it boils yeah. down to is that there's something evil out in the woods like uh, truman says it he starts off by saying like and twin you peaks noticed, is different yeah you noticed it's different he's like yes i have or cooper says yes i have and truman says well there's a there's an evil out there that counteracts that or this is this is the price that we have to pay yeah for all the good this, stuff. Yeah, yeah is that we have to keep idyllic. this evil at bay. Yeah, and so they do that through the Bookhouse Boys, which yeah. is this uh, secret society, secret society group. Um, and and it's the first kind of hint at, um, well, not the first hint, but it is a hint. And it's, it's the first time that Cooper's directly exposed to kind of the still, they're still human machinations at work. They're not yet the supernatural good and evil stuff that's coming with mm-hmm. Bob and potentially Mike is maybe a good guy. We don't really know still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, that stuff's still a ways off. But there's still human stuff that's going on. Like the hu- like uh, uh, Sheriff Truman says, someone's dealing or dealing drugs. That's tr- Ed who says that. Oh, yeah. Someone's sneaking drugs into the... That's everybody's business. Yeah, and that's everybody's, everybody's business. Yeah. So 
they've there's something evil underneath the surface someone's dealing drugs and so they have this good force underneath the surface of the bookhouse boys which is but it's it's even below like there's the surface surface level which is the twin peak sheriff department and when when cooper realizes that ed is somehow involved with something he says well i didn't know you were a deputy because hawk is also at the table so so you've got two members of the the law enforcement team and a third member who has not been deputized but is acting as a member of a law enforcement team of sorts but it's it's operating at a sub-legal level so even there you've got multiple levels of things that are happening below the surface right so you've got the the twin peak sheriff department on top and then the bookhouse boys just beneath that they're not bad guys but they're not strictly above board working on on yeah the up and up right yeah and we see that when they go to the next scene when they actually take him to the bookhouse when they take uh cooper to the bookhouse and you find your meet your first Renault. Yeah, the first Renault that uh, shows up, it's Bernard Renault. Yeah, and this is him. only a scene. This is yeah, only I don't a scene, think right? he. Yeah, he doesn't come back he doesn't at come all. Doesn't come back at all. Um, he's tied and gagged in a chair. Yeah, and, and Cooper's just and like totally his, okay with yeah. this. This is what we were mentioning earlier yeah. in the episode, which just seems so strange that yeah. this total law-abiding Boy Scout of an FBI agent is going to be okay with the unlawful confinement of a. Of a a person. And he's not yeah. even, he's a Canadian national. He's, yeah, he's, not he's even French Canadian. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, this is like this is all well, kinds of sketchy, yeah, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, so you, plot wise, you get it a little tighter. There's the Renault brothers. So Jacques was the one who was uh, bartending the night that uh, Ed got beat up, and they, they're pretty sure that uh, Jacques Renault uh, did something to his drink, poisoned his drink in some way, um, and that they've been running. Uh, drugs back and forth, and uh, who's Bernard is the mule. Bernard is the mule. He got yeah. caught with an ounce on on him. Um, Just an ounce. Yeah, and then right away uh, you see that Jacques is walking to his job at the roadhouse, and he sees there's a red light blinking. Yeah. And he freaks out and he calls Leo. And says Leo, I need a border run. I yeah. need to get me across the border quick because they can't catch me here. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of a sudden you know that obviously Leo's involved in the drug. Well, you already knew that because yeah. he. He was selling it to Bobby and Mike. But he's involved on a different level now, too, yeah, with, like, with these. So the, he's he's kind of, you're not, basically all the shady people are coming together. Yeah. you got the Renaults, who, by the way, we have to talk about the terrible accent Jesus quickly. Christ, As a Canadian, that, that, that insulted all Canadians, but French Canadians We watched this show bad. with a friend of ours who, who's uh, from Quebec, from Quebec oh. and she just, she was so horrified. <laughs> and Sophie, if funny. you were listening to this, we apologize so profusely. Well, for, we didn't do it. No, but for subjecting her to it. <laughs> yeah. We could have, like, muted it or something, put the subtitles on. Uh, I don't know. the French dub or yes, something. That exactly. would have been better. Because yeah. it's just such a bastardization of a French-Canadian oh, accent. God. I want to make fun of it right now. Please but I don't, won't. because I, mine's it'll, even worse. it'll sound yeah. Liverpoolian and yeah. then just be really <laughs> just be bad. So. Um, but yeah, so you get this 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 tightening web of, of the bad guys. Who are the bad guys and how are they connected? Yeah. And they're all involved in the drug trade. Um, so they're going to try and catch uh, Jean Renaud, or Jacques Renault next. Yeah. Um, Who is know another about... J name? Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that keeps coming up for sure, too. Yeah. Uh, so then you also get the quick shot of Shelly stashing yeah, the, the gun, gun shortly after that. Which, where did she get the gun from? Yeah, it doesn't say. I mean, it's America. Everybody <laughs> has guns, right? Yeah, but it's a small town. If she got a gun, well, Leo's America. got his fingers in a lot of cookie jars. So I'm, well, she could have bought the gun that, legally pretty easily. Like, yeah, but everybody would have known that. And they would have said, yeah, oh, hey, Leo, your yeah, old lady's yeah, got yeah, a gun. gun like, yeah. he would have found out. I just, That's true. Maybe so she's she got borrowed. it from a shady source. Or from uh, Norma. I always thought it would be Norma. Personally, like Norma's Norma, packing, she's just got guns under the counter. Well, yeah, it's America. <laughs> wow, let's <laughs> no, alienate oh, all of our no, yeah, no. that's especially just... it's Northwest. 
America. <laughs> a little less gun violence. But yeah. Um, so yeah, you get that shot, and then you get straight to Cooper's stakeout of Laura's grave, where he... Uh, no, catches... we don't. You get, oh, you get Josie and Harry. Oh. At the Blue Pine Lodge, which is just another... Uh, that plot bores hint. me. It is a little boring. I mean, especially their side of it because they don't know anything that's going yeah, on. So, so it's just, just kind of an like, opportunity for them to get, you know, yeah, a just, little sexy maybe. Yeah. But, but it underscores a little bit that that Harry might be. We've seen him. Sheriff Truman has been so openly trusting of Agent Cooper, and he hasn't been proven wrong. Yeah. But he's so trusting of Josie, and yeah. and. Having watched this so many times, it's not like that. That could be influencing me right now, but I do remember thinking that not all was above board with Josie either, yeah. and I felt like Truman was in over his head a little bit. Yeah, right I also feel like Josie's in over her head in a lot of ways, oh, and yeah, that comes and you, back yeah. in later episodes. But, but I just I feel like Truman is being set up as like just this this super trusting guy who maybe should be a little bit more careful with who he lets into his yeah you into think his so world. yeah but yeah and especially for being the sheriff yeah exactly and just, also yeah. an amateur chartered accountant because yeah. he takes a one look at the books that <laughs> he flips that through two pages Ka- that josie like, josie's found that Catherine is it has two, two copies of the accounting ledgers for, for the, the mill, mill yeah and so yeah, Josie thinks there must be something going on. She had, but she can't find the second book. She so only she has the one the legit one. copy yeah. to Truman, and he's like, "Well, he looks at two pages. He's like nothing seems amiss here." And yeah. I'm just like, yeah. "What? what? <laughs> when did you get a yeah. degree in accounting? Like, I yeah." Anyway, well, that was funny. That yeah. it was just yeah. Yeah, nice little. So yeah, we get that scene, but then we do jump right to the graveyard yeah. and uh, and Cooper's taking it out, and yeah. then he meets Jacoby, and he kind of confronts her, like, "Well, why didn't confronts you come?" Him. Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Jacoby is a man. And Jacoby is a man. But anyways, uh, yeah, he confronts her. and He confronts fuck. him. <laughs> Basically just asks him, like, why weren't why you, why you here? And Jacoby gives kind of a speech of, like, not, is this where he says I'm a bad man? Yeah, he's like, I yeah. didn't care about these people that yeah. I profess to care about because he's the town psychiatrist or yeah. psychologist. So he, uh, he should have cared about these people. And he says he just didn't. Yeah. But he couldn't be there because he thinks... Laura wouldn't have, but he hoped she would understand that he wasn't there. Yeah, and it, I, he kind of says uh, something along the lines of like, I thought nothing, no one could ever reach me again. Laura changed all that. The how is what I wrote down. Like, how did she reach him and mm-hmm. reignite him? Like, was there a sexual element there? Um, did Jacoby just want there to be something like that? Right. Um, and it's not clear still. And and I think he's still in uh, in Cooper's you know bad bank really of yeah. Of I bad mean, characters. he's he's certainly not helping himself out by being the shady guy who sneaks around cemeteries at night. But you know, he's also another one of those quirky characters and, and yeah you can't can't get a read it's, on it's, them yeah really. it's hard to pin them down yeah. but yeah um sorry this is when we go you you were right we cemetery first and then the blue pen lodge i think i think i had my notes mixed okay up. yeah because anyways. because we get the blue pen lodge and then we go right back to the great northern great and northern. um a lovely scene between cooper and hawk do you believe in the soul several more than one blackfoot legend Waking souls that give life to the mind and the body. A dream soul that wanders 
dream songs. Where do they wander? Faraway places. The land of the dead. And it's and it's, it's kind it's, of a it's kind of a neat little uh, exchange between these two people you would imagine would be well. We already know um, Cooper. Agent Cooper is very spiritual um, mm-hmm. and in touch with his you know this Tibetan Buddhism or or some kind of mysticism that that imbues him with this ability that he has at the beginning of the episode to have d- prophetic dreams. Yeah. Um, Hawk, being Native American. Uh, you you he, Native Americans are almost always presented Im- this way. Yes, yeah. presented this way as being spiritual or mystical beings. But Hawk doesn't really seem to he has the information. Well, he says there are legends that talk about this, yeah. but then he says, I only know that lore is in the ground. ground yeah. And, and that's yeah. that that kind of grounds him in it just it's just an interesting uh ex- case of of a character played against type, I think. Yeah, well, a little bit because I mean, even Twin Peaks falls back on it a little bit. He's it kind does. Of, he's kind of presented like even in this episode at one point, uh, Truman says, "Well, if anybody can find the one on yeah. the plane, we'll talk." Because he's a tracker. tracker. Yeah. And Cooper's like, oh, like it's just like, of course, he's the you know Native the token American Native tracker. American guy. Yes, yeah. yeah, so of course he can track everything. He's one with the land, right? And and it's kind of yeah, it's it's. But I mean, it was. But he does. Like, he does confound <laughs> expectations in a lot of cases. Yeah, and, and that and that one really... line, like he, the way he delivers it, even is like. Floors in the ground, Agent Cooper. That's the only thing I'm sure of. It's it's just like it's a very matter of fact mm-hmm. way, and and it, it is a really good. Uh, yeah, it's a good way of exploring his character for sure. Yeah, it's funny because he mentions a Blackfoot legend, even though that's not where his. Well, at this point in yeah, in the, know, his yeah. character arc, there there was never any mention made of. Uh, his, his his ancestry ancestry or, or his the, yeah, ethnic location, background, yeah, yeah. Um, but Blackfoot does come up. the The Native American people of that of that area, you know, depending on which part of the state you're in, you could have you know the coastal natives and the, you yeah. know, there were there were a bunch of different tribes and yeah. bands that existed in in those areas yeah. historically. Yeah. So, but it's never made clear which band he belongs to. Yeah. So, but yeah. Anyways, uh, after that. A uh, little exchange, you you get uh, Leland. Yeah, another dancing. very tragic scene of of Leland dancing. It's interesting that he snaps, or does he snap his fingers, or does he? No, I think he, he just, just shakes his. Something yeah. happens, and and the music changes. And I thought that was an interesting shift because it implies that he was able to change the music with his mind or kind something of, like yeah. that. Really threw me. The but song doesn't just just end on its own it kind of it fades, yeah it fades, it fades out and then, quickly and then there's and then, a, yeah. a another one of these big band jazz songs which we we later learn are, are um kind of his thing he and and yeah. sarah go out dancing all the time yeah. to the stuff so yeah. um but he starts dancing by himself and and pathetically going around asking begging, people to dance with him begging people with, to yeah. dance with him yeah and nobody will and he just ends up crying on the dance floor and the music stops and Hawk and Cooper, Cooper go over and, to, yeah. to comfort him and... Let's take you home. Oh. 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 And the way that he says the word home, yeah. it's, oh, it's so heartbreaking, heartbreaking because yeah. what is home now? His yeah, home is there. is a wife who, who doesn't... Well, he's probably drugged up too. <laughs> well, yeah, but you she, know. you know, there's there's obviously a divide in their relationship that that has been caused by their daughter's death or just exacerbated by their daughter's death. They're not seeing eye to eye on these things. Yep. 
um, his daughter is dead. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just there's nothing at home anymore for him. Yeah. And that's just it's it is sad. It's really sad. It is. It's yeah. It's one of the more heartbreaking. Especially scenes considering there. that for the previous three episodes, up until the end of the the last episode, he had kept it so so bottled yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So for him to have this very public, very uh, out there breakdown, it's yeah. And it's yeah. And then yeah, his his character goes through a, a whole whirlwind. So it's this uh, is the start of it. Yeah, this is really the start. But that's where the episode ends. And that's where we'll end. So thank you for joining us. Yeah.